You're listening to the weekly podcast of City Church Orlando, located just off of 1792 at 650 Airport Boulevard in Sanford, Florida. Our website, orlandocitychurch.com. Today, lead pastor Eugene Smith will start out our new series called The Fearless Tour. Battles are inevitable in life. Victory is not. What keeps us from experiencing victory over our enemies in life? Today, we will discover God's battle plan for all of life's battles and conquer the fear that He's kept you from victory. Our scripture text comes from Judges chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Today's message is entitled, Part 1, Gideon. Fear is a common emotion that we all experience. Every person here experiences fear. Now, there is good fear. Everyone say good fear. And there's bad fear. Now, good fear is the kind of fear that keeps you from, you know, when there's, you know, cars flying by at 80 miles an hour, it keeps you from, like, trying to dart across the road to see if you can make it. That kind of fear, that's a smart fear. When you teach your kid, you know, hey, don't go out into the street, don't play in the street because you'll get run over, that's a good fear, right? You want to teach your kid to respect the power of the vehicle. And so there are things that we fear in life that have the potential to protect us. But what I've discovered about fear for most people, most of us experience fear in a dimension in a way that paralyzes. You see, you have three choices. You have three choices when you encounter fear in your life. The first, first is you can recoil. Everyone say recoil. A lot of people recoil when something happens in their life and it causes terror or fear. They just kind of pull back. They're afraid. Maybe they didn't do very well in school, and so they're fearful about going to college, or they're fearful about going out and trying for a new job. They're not sure. It's unknown. And, and some people recoil. When something happens in their life, it causes them to pull back. For other people, when other people get fearful, they react. They get angry. They get mad. They, when they get afraid, they attack people. But the third way that people respond is that they respond in faith. They respond in faith. Every person here, every single person here has a dream. Every person, every person has a dream for a preferred future. Every person has some kind of desire inside of them for significance. Every person. There's a destiny as a Christian. We believe there's a destiny, meaning there's a specific purpose for your life. We believe that. And what happens is that we get stuck in fear. And when we get stuck in fear, it robs us and it keeps us from achieving the potential and the plan and the purpose that God has for us. We're going to look at, over the next five weeks, I'm I'm preaching a message entitled, The Fearless Tour. Everyone say, The Fearless Tour. The Fearless Tour actually came to me by revelation, by listening to Taylor Swift. Anybody know who Taylor Swift is? anybody Anybody not know who Taylor Swift is? Okay, Eddie. Eddie, you're over 20, that's why. All right, Taylor Swift, I mean, she's one of the most popular singers in the world right now, and she she says, I heard her say this on one of these interviews, she said, she goes, it's not that I'm not afraid, she says, but I just jump in anyway. Yeah, I'm afraid, but I just go for it. Here's this, I don't know, she's like maybe 18 or 19 now, and she's, you know, unbelievable. She has gone places that people who have desired be entertainers and professionals their whole life have never attained and there's something about her you know not just her physical appearance but her boldness I mean she's really broken through the barrier fear that's that keeps so many people from attaining a dream a desire or a destiny that's on their life now in my community right now there's something that's we're going to pray in just a moment here for this but 
uh, we've had something happen. Uh, Friday afternoon at 3 o'clock, there was a little girl, and her name is, um, remember her name? Nadia. Nadia Bloom. And Nadia Bloom is 11 years of age. And Friday, she rode her bike down to the end. She, her mom was with her. She had a three-week-old uh, baby sister or baby brother, and she, her mom was changing the diaper. And Nadia went outside, rode her bike down to the end of the street, and she hasn't been seen since Friday at 11, uh, since Friday at 3 o'clock. And you can go to the front page of Orlando Sentinel today. They, they, they're controlling the media right now. They're not allowing the media into our neighborhood. But there's an 11-year-old girl that's complete, that lives in my neighborhood right now that's disappeared. I don't know how to express this to you guys, but there is the greatest sense of fear that I have ever sensed in my whole life right now in my community. As a matter of fact, I woke up this morning. I woke up at 1230. I woke up at 3 o'clock. I went outside. I talked to the police officer that's stationed at the entrance to our community right now. And I talked to him about 4 o'clock this morning. Spent about 45 minutes talking to a couple of police officers out there. I mean, within, listen, guys, within about an hour and a half of this girl's disappearance, they had bloodhounds, they've had helicopters, they've had hundreds of rescue people, and they're, they're not even a cent. She's literally disappeared. And this is a traumatizing thing. In my community right now, people are totally traumatized. There's a fear like I've never really felt in that kind of personal way. This girl lived... You know how you know houses back up to each other. This girl's house is four houses down from us on the back on our backyard, and she's gone. And we're praying. We're going to pray for her right now. Her parents are Jeff and Kathy Bloom, and they're Christian people. He plays the bass guitar at his church, and it's just weird. It's just really, really weird. And there's a spirit of fear that the enemy wants to bring into our community. And I can feel, I felt it this morning. You can kind of feel it in the room right now. Just, if you're a parent, it's like, this is your worst nightmare. If you're a parent today, this is, come on, this is your worst nightmare, right? You know, the couple of times that I've misplaced my children accidentally, I mean, terror. It was terror. They're not calling it an abduction yet, but, but, but God knows. And I want us to pray for Jeff and Kathy right now. And this spirit of fear, we're going to come against it. There's Christians all through my community, about 190 homes in my community. One of the things that's happened is my community is really, over the last two days, man, people, everybody's out in the front yard. Everybody's talking. Everybody's meeting one another. I want us to pray right now for Jeff and Kathy, for this family. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you today that your grace is amazing. And, well, we don't understand what's happened today, but we know that your power is able to bring comfort and hope to those who are hurting. And God, we've seen you do it before. We're asking right now. God, we're praying that whatever has happened to this young lady, it would be exposed. We're praying truth. We're praying, Lord, for all those the hundreds of rescue people, the people that have come, Lord, from around this whole community, not only from here in Central Florida, but all over, Lord, people that have come, and, and they're searching and looking in the woods and, and the ponds and the lakes. And Father, we just pray for them right now. We pray for the mom and dad right now who... Who, Lord, their lives are totally devastated. They're crushed. It doesn't make any sense. We pray that you'll bring grace to them, amazing grace. And as a church family and as a church congregation, we stand today, God, and we ask for you to do what only you can do. God, we're asking right now for a miracle for this family. God, we pray today that you'll bring great grace and great comfort. And, Father, we just ask by your Holy Spirit's power that you will do the work that only you can do. We join together and we pray for Nadia. We ask this now. We pray for her family. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Today I'm going to talk to you about an Old Testament character by the name of Gideon. And Gideon is uh, really an incredible story because Gideon was very similar to you and I. He, 
he had a great destiny, but he didn't know it. And he actually didn't even believe it about himself. He'd had a lot of, he came from kind of a, maybe a bad background, or he didn't even know. And, and Gideon really didn't believe that God had something great for him. But God did. I'm going to read, this is going to be the theme verse for the next five weeks, for this week and for the next four weeks. Today I'm going to talk about Gideon. Next week I'm going to talk about Deborah. She's an Old Testament judge that God used in a powerful way. God doesn't just use men throughout the Bible. God used men and women of faith. And all the women said amen. All right. And then I'm going to talk about a guy named Phineas. Everyone say Phineas. Has anyone ever heard anybody preach on Phineas before? Okay, well, you're going to hear it next week. You're going to hear about a guy who was radical for his faith. And then I'm going to talk about the three Hebrew boys in Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then I'm going to talk about David and Goliath, King David, the greatest king that Israel ever had. I want you to read this verse with me. Let's read this verse out loud together. It's 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 7. Let's read it together. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, we're going to try that one more time. Let's all read it together. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The question I want to answer today is, how can we live a fearless life and not a faithless life? You see, battles in your life are inevitable. Problems in your life are guaranteed. They're guaranteed. Victory is not. The choices that you make about faith and belief in God will determine your success. They'll determine whether you are a champion or a coward. They'll determine whether you're a wimp or you're a warrior. You see, the choices that you make and what you believe about God and how you act will determine whether you succeed in conquering the things that have held you back. The limitations, the problems, the obstacles that every single person in this room face. You see, the difference between winners and losers, people who are champions, people who really win in every sphere of life, they're not afraid to lose. They're afraid not to win. Their fear is not to win. That's what separates winners from losing. If you're just afraid not to lose, you'll always be stuck looking at the negative. But if you're afraid that you're not, if you're afraid not to win, you're always looking at the positive. You're always looking at the possibilities. You're always looking at the potential that God can work through your life. There's this character in the Old Testament. His name is Gideon. Gideon. If you have your Bibles, the seventh book of the Bible is the book of Judges. And in the book of Judges, we see this guy's story. It's in chapter 6 through chapter 8. Chapter 6. And so one of the things I would challenge you to do is when you go home today, I'm not going to be able to to tell you everything about Gideon's life in the next 24 minutes. But I do want to challenge you today to study for yourself, to discover for yourself the powerful truth of God's Word. You see, this book, this story, his story has the potential and the power to change your life. But if you never learn it, if you never know it, if you never study it for yourself, you'll just hear what someone else has to say. And the problem with that is that, that very few people move forward when they just listen to someone else. But when you discover for yourself the way to live and how to act and the way that you should respond, when you discover for yourself, when you discover faith for yourself and the power of belief, it has the potential to change your world. Gideon, Gideon was a person just like you and I. I want you to look at the first couple of verses here. The Bible says, in Judges chapter 6, verse number 1, the Bible says, And again, Israelites did, uh, did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. 
the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And God gave them into the hands of the Midianites. The choices that you make, the things that you believe about your life and about values and morals and right and wrong will have an impact on your lifestyle. They'll have an impact on the outcome and the quality of your life. For the children of Israel, seven years, that they were under the oppression, they were under the terror, they were under the trauma, they were under the, the, the sway and the influence of these people who only meant them evil. And their names were Midianites. Now Gideon, Gideon lived in this day, in the period in the history of Israel, where the Bible says that the people had no king. And they did evil in the eyes of the Lord, because every man did what was right in his own eyes. In other words, oh, Dennis over here, he's got a value system, and his value system is right. Therefore, he lives whatever he wants to live. And then uh, Mati over here, he's got a value system, and he lives life however he thinks is right. And then Crystal over here, she's got a value system, and she lives life however she thinks is right. And Wilhelmina, she's got a value system based on her upbringing, her experience that she believes is right. And Eddie back here, he's got a value system. And we all have our own concept of who God is and how we get to God and the way that we should live. We have all these opinions. And this is America today, folks. People live life, they have their own opinions about what's right and what's wrong. And there are some people that say this is right, and they say, no, that's wrong. There are some people that say that's wrong, and they say this is right. I mean, we have no standard of truth. We have no standard of truth. But Jesus said, I am truth. You see, there is truth. There is an objective truth. There is a standard of right and wrong. And God clearly gave it to the children of Israel. And the promise was this. If you do my will, if you walk according to my words and my ways, you'll be a blessed people. You'll be blessed above. He actually uses this phrase. You'll be the head and not the tail. You'll rise above and not beneath. You'll conquer and not be conquered. God says those things to the children of Israel. He says, listen, if you study this word, you meditate on these things that I tell you, and you do them, and you live by them, you'll be a blessed people. Jesus said it like this, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. See, it's a good God that we serve and not a bad dad. We have a glad dad, not a sad dad. We have a happy dad, not an angry dad. We have a God who's full of joy. Does he get mad? Of course he does. When we go off course and we live life any way that we think that we can live, when we do wrong, now I'm not talking about having failures or faults or making mistakes. I'm talking about making willful choices that God has told us not to do. There are consequences. And the Bible says that the children of Israel did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And because of that, there was tyranny. There was trouble. As a matter of fact, what I've discovered about God, and it's your first point here, God uses tough times to get your attention. God uses difficulties and trials in your life. You see, when you get to the end of yourself, and you can't make it happen, when you get to the end of yourself, and your Visa card and your MasterCard is maxed out, when you get to the end of yourself, and you can't change your lifestyle, or you have an addiction, that's too great. A guy came to me this week and said, he said, I just can't do it any longer. He said, I just can't. He, those are his words. I just can't. It's just too hard. He said that phrase to me. It's just too hard. Life is too hard. I just can't do it. I've heard people say things like, put a fork in me. I'm, you know, I've heard people say those kinds of things. They're just like maxed out. They're stressed out. What's happened? Life's been hard. Well, see, they're not following God's plan. God has a way. Now, is God's way easy? No way. As a matter of fact, 
Tough times happen to all people. Terrible things happen to all people. But there is a God who will take us through those tough times. There is a God, if we put our faith and our confidence and our hope in Him, guess what? God will bring deliverance. Gideon was a man just like us. He lived in a time. Everybody did whatever they thought they could do. There was no objective truth. Standards were based on everybody's own opinion. Therefore, there was difficulties that came to the people. The Midianites, now they were great warriors. The Midianites and uh, in Gideon's day, they were people of great valor and that they could really fight. They fought really well, and they kind of have an, an advantage over everybody else. They rode camels. They actually rode camels into battle. You can read the story here. And because they rode camels, they could go faster. You know, camels could go three days without food or water. They could haul more stuff. And so what they would do is they would set up in the hills, and the Israelites, the Jewish people, they would farm, and they would grow crops, and they would raise cattle and, and livestock. And then whenever it was time to harvest, or whenever it was time to kill the calf, or whenever it was time to kind of reap their bounty, the Midianites would come in and steal it from them. That's exactly what they would do. And they terrorized. The children of Israel lived under the terror of the, of the Midianites. And this is exactly what Midian was doing. Gideon was doing, the Bible says that, Gideon was actually threshing wheat down in a wine place, a place where they press grapes. Now, if you know anything about farming, you know that when they, they throw up the wheat, they don't throw it down in the, uh, down in the lower area. They go to go to a higher area so that when they, when they throw it up in a higher area, the wind catches it, and it separates the wheat from the chaff. Well, they were so afraid that the Midianites would find out that they had this little bit of food that he was down in this wine press, and he was trying to, he was trying to, to thresh the, the wheat down in this wine press. He was terrorized. But, see, something happened. The people finally got sick and tired of being sick and tired. They finally got sick and tired. And the Bible says that God sent a prophet. Actually, what happens is the Bible says, in verse number 7, you can read it for yourself in Judges 6, the Bible says, and the people cried out to the Lord, God, I can't do it. God, I can't do it. God, where are you? Why did all these, why are all these things happening? They're crying out to God. And then the Bible says the prophet comes to them. You can read verses 7 through 10 and reminds them of why they're where they're at. He said, well, you've worshipped other gods. You've followed other ways. Did I not, did I not bring you out of slavery and captivity from Egypt into the promised land? Did I not open up the Red Sea? Did I not provide miracles? Did I not give you manna from heaven? Did I not deliver you from the armies that had come against you under Joshua? God reminds them of his promises. You see, today I'm here to remind you of the promises that God has for you. I'm here to remind you that you have a good God, and whatever battle, whatever problem, whatever whatever challenge that lies before you, for you it might be a mountain. It might feel like a spiritual wall. It might be an emotional wall. It might be a relational wall. I don't know what your challenge is today, but I'm telling you, there is a God who was good. Listen, the children of Israel, they couldn't figure this out. God was so good to them. And there's this cycle that they go through. God delivers them. They cry out to God. Things go well for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, they start to live life by their own ways again. And then trouble comes. And then they cry out to God. And God sends a prophet and reminds them of his word. And they go through this cycle. It's a seven-cycle step that you see in the nation of Israel over and over and over. And the challenge is, it's the exact same thing that we do. You know, God gives us a little bit of relief. And then, but we really didn't work through the issue. And then so, you know, we're okay for a little while, but we find ourselves back doing the same things that we did before. You know what they say about insanity? Insanity is doing the same things that you've always done and expecting a different result. That's insanity. 
And so many people live life. They, they hope it's going to change. They think it's, but they don't do anything proactive. They don't do anything really to change their circumstance. And what the Israelites did is they took the first step. They cried out to God. Now, I want you to see something with this guy, Gideon. He's an amazing guy. The next thing I want you to see is verse 11 and 12. The Bible says that the God comes to Gideon, verse, uh, to Gideon, number 11. And the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah. This is a very fascinating passage because the, the Bible uses this phrase, the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord in the Bible was actually an appearance of Christ. It was actually before Christ came on the earth 2,000 years ago. He appeared in bodily form. He appeared to this man by the name of Gideon. And listen to what he says. I want you to hear this for yourself. He says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now you've got to hear this today. Gideon does not see himself as a mighty warrior. As a matter of fact, Gideon immediately starts to argue with God. God, I'm too small. I'm from the weakest tribe. I can't do it. I'm not smart enough. I wasn't born into the right family. I don't have the right pedigree. I don't have the right bank account. I, don't, I didn't go to the right schools. I don't have the right educational background. I mean, he began to give God all these excuses. But see, that's not how God saw Midian. As a matter of fact, when God looks at you, he looks at you completely different than many times you look at yourself. You see, when we look at ourselves, we look in the mirror, and we see our shape, we see our size, we see the color of our skin, we see the mistakes, the failures. We have a tendency when we look at the mirror to see the negatives of our life. We have a tendency when we look in the mirror, we see the problems and the things that we've committed in the past. But see, when God looks at you, he looks at you completely different. He sees you with all the potential. He sees you with all the promises. He sees you with the design and the destiny and the plan that he created you with. And so he says to you, no, no, no. You are not weak. You are strong. You are not small. You are great. You are not limited. No, you have unlimited possibilities. You are not powerless. You are powerful. You're not a wimp. You're a mighty warrior. Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. Young lady in this room, you're a mighty woman of valor. You see, God speaks over you and he says things over you completely different from your current reality. Because see, what God sees is your future. God knows that if you follow him, God laid out this plan. He's laid out this road. He's laid out this purpose. And if you do God's way, if you follow God, God will make and do things in your life that you thought were completely impossible. Paul the Apostle in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 says like this, He who was able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above anything you could ask or think by the power of Christ that is in you. You see, it's Christ that's in us. We're not God. We're created in the image of God. Without God, we know we are limited. We are powerless. We have no spiritual authority over addictions and problems. As a matter of fact, without God, most people in this room have found themselves up against a wall, and it seemed like it was hopeless. Most people at some point in their life, you've tried, and you've done this, and done that, and now God's come to you and said, I do love you. I do care for you. You see, God came to Midian. Jesus came to me. Did he have a problem? Absolutely. Listen to me today. When you have problems in your life, you have one of four options, Charles Swindoll says in his book, uh, Living Above Mediocrity. Charles Swindoll says when you have a problem, you either look at that problem. Now, this, this is what we generally do. We have 
an issue, financial issue, we don't have a job, I mean, whatever the issue is, uh, you have a, a relationship problem with somebody at work, and so you look at the problem, and then you start to talk about the problem, right? You start to talk about the problem, and you analyze the problem a little more, you go home and you sleep on the problem, and then you share the problem with Dr. Laura, and then you write a letter to Dear Abby, then you get a self-help book and try to figure out the problem. And then you analyze the problem a little more. Then you gossip to somebody about the problem. And then you wonder if the problem's ever going to change. And then you, got, you can't think, well, that problem isn't fair. I shouldn't have this problem. And then you begin to blame someone else for your problems. And see, you begin to look to other people. The second option, you can look to other people to solve your problems. But you know, but you got another option. And that other option is you can start to look to yourself. I can do it. Yes, I can. I can do it. Yes, I can. I can do it. Yes, I can. I, 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 I can do it. I know. Yeah, I'm a little like the little train. What's that little train? You know, it said what it said. What did the train say? I think I can. 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 And then you find yourself, no, I can't. No, I can't. No, I can't. Yes, I can. No, I can't. Yes, I can. And then you're like, yesterday, Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods had this experience yesterday. This is a true story. I read it on ESPN on online yesterday afternoon. You know, I like following golf and so tiger you know thursday comes back does the masters the shot literally guys in our office dave and i were both sitting on our laptops and we got our computers on and we're, we're looking you know waiting for tiger to tee off and and so tiger's teeing off on thursday friday he's playing actually pretty good he's six strokes up he's about two strokes behind the leader he starts off yesterday and ain't going too well matter of fact by the third hole he's not hitting the ball well at all he bogeys, he bogeys the third, the fourth, I think, and the fifth hole, he bogeys three holes in a row. And by the fifth hole, by his third bogey, this, this, is, what, this is what ESPN reports that he said. And the, the, the caption was, can Tiger control his cursing tomorrow? That's today. Can he control his cursing? Because when Tiger was hitting the ball, he was saying, Tiger, you stupid idiot, you no good blankety blank, 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 blank. And this is the Christian sanitized version here. Tiger, you're an idiot. You can't hit. Tiger, you're stupid. He was saying, that's what he, you can read it for yourself. I ain't making that up. He was cursing himself. And as long as Tiger cursed himself, guess what he did? He hit a bogey. By the next hole, by the, after three bogeys, he said, I got I to gotta change the way that I talk. Because everybody's, reco- I mean, you know, there were guys popping up out of little golf holes taking pictures of Tiger. They were hanging out of trees taking pictures. I mean, come on. I mean, this is, you know, everybody's once in a Tiger. And, and so by the sixth hole, Tiger stopped saying those things. And guess what he did on the sixth hole? If you know anything about golf, he birdied. He didn't just par, he birdied it. Went on and had it fairly. He dug himself out of a pretty deep hole. He got himself in a pretty deep hole. Dug himself out. He's still in potential. I don't know where he's at today. Obviously, we haven't left here yet, so I can't say that I've seen. But I'm going to when I go home today. You see what happened? Tiger, he had a negative the greatest golfer that's ever been born on planet Earth had a negative view about himself. And what happened? What happened to him? Now, no, his not doing very well on my very best day in my dreams I couldn't do as well as Tiger did. You know what I'm talking about? But, but for Tiger, see, he limited the possibilities and the potential that God created him with by what he spoke, by what he said. You see, Midian, he looked at the problem. He said, God, I can't do it. God, I'm too small. God, I'm too, I'm, I came from the wrong family. I didn't go to the right schools. You see, God calls you today not to, a fearless, to, not to be a fearful life, but God calls you to live a fearless life. You see, the Lord, your God, is with you. Now look at verses 15 through 17 with me here. Look at verse number 15. 
And the Bible says, and the Lord, but Lord Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. And the Lord answered, I will be with you. Did you hear that? I will be with you. I'll be with you. I'll be with you. God comes to Abraham. Abraham, I will be with you. Come out. Come out from living in a pagan land and follow me, and I'll be with you. God says to Jacob, he says, Jacob, I will be with you. God says to Moses and the children of Israel, I will be with you. God says over and over to his children and to his people, I will be with you. Jesus, when he spoke to his disciples, he said, I want you to go out, and I want you to teach, and I want you to proclaim good news, and I want you to heal the sick, and I want you to cast out devils, and I want you to lay your hands on those whose eyes are blinded, and they shall open, for I will be with you. When Paul, the apostle, who had been a persecutor of the church, now comes to faith in Christ, has a revelation, and his life is transformed. God comes to him. The Lord Jesus comes to Paul and says, Paul, I want you to go to Rome, and I will be with you. I want you to know today, no matter what's happening in your life, no matter what you're experiencing, no matter how big the problem looks, God says, child, I will be with you. Let me tell you today, when you are walking through the fire, God says, I will be with you. When you're walking along the path of life, and all of a sudden you find yourself going down the wrong direction, God says, no child, I'm going to be with you. When you look at the financial problem in your life, and the mountain is too big, God says, no, 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 I will be with you. I have not changed. I am Jehovah Jireh. I the God who meets and supplies your every need. Now let me tell you about the rest of the story. You see, the rest of the story goes like this. Gideon says, okay, God, I'm going to go with you. Show me a sign. God says, okay, son, I'm going to show you a sign. This is what I want you to do. I want you to take an offering, and I want you to offer it up. And when you offer that offering, offering up. It's going to be pleasing to me. And when he offered the offering up to God, the Bible says that the Spirit of God came upon Gideon. You see, there's something that happens in your life when you give God your everything. When you give God your best. When it looks to be impossible, God says, I'm going to make it possible. When you offer up your worship to God, when the problem seems to be too good, you see, for you, a sacrifice, a sacrifice is saying, God, I worship you through the midst of this marriage problem. God, I thank you that you are going to take me through the middle of this financial struggle. God, I thank you that in the midst of the greatest recession, since the Great Depression, we're going to start this business and you were with me. God, I thank you that today I'm going to rise above the problems because you are with me. Where is the answer to the problems of your life? I want you to know today they are found in the presence of Almighty God. Come on, let's give him praise. You got to hear this. He says, God, give me a sign. Now, God gives him two signs. It's really cool. It, it seems like he's really not full of faith, but I think he just has wisdom. Because the Bible says, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Gideon's got a bad rap, but I don't think, I don't think he was faithless. I think he was actually very smart. He was saying, okay, God, you said test me. Try me. Try me and see. God, you said, try me with the tithe. God, you said, test me to see if I will do what I said I'm going to do. And in the mouth of two or three witnesses, God, let it be established. 
First one was a fleece that he lays out. And the second one, God says to him, he says, Gideon, get ready. Get ready. Gideon, you're going to go down and you're going to take 300 guys. 300 guys. And you know, I was thinking about this. You know, they start out with 22,000. You can read the story. You need to study for yourself. They start off with 22,000. God says, you got way too many. You see, sometimes we think that we can do it ourselves. And God says, no, 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 no. I got to get you in a position where you are totally dependent upon me. And so there's 135,000 Midianites, and God gets Gideon and his army down to 300. Now, that, that, those are impossible odds. That's 1 to 485. For every one Israelite, there's 485 Midianites. It's impossible. God says, okay, Gideon, you want a sign? Come on down. I want you to go on down to the camp. And when you go on down to the camp, you're going to hear something. And the Bible says that Gideon grabbed one of his guys and he goes down to the camp and he hears one of the Midianites talking to the other Midianites in the middle of the night. He wakes up. He says, hey, I just had a dream. He said, I saw this giant barley loaf rolling down the hill, smashing into our tents. Gideon's got his ear. What did he say? The guy says, I think he said that there's a barley loaf. Gideon says, and then the Midianite says, and I think that barley loaf represents Gideon. And I think Gideon and his army are going to come and destroy us. And Gideon said, what did he say? He said, I think he said, Gideon and his army are going to come and destroy us. And Gideon says, all right, let's go. Gideon runs back to the camp. And he goes, okay, guys, get up. It's time to go. Grab your torch. Grab, listen, grab your torch. Grab your water pot. Grab your trumpet, and we're going to lift up our voice in a shout. When we go down there, we're going to lift up the torch. We're going to break the water pot, and we're going to blow the trumpet and make a lot of noise. And we're going to say, and the God of Gideon is in this place. And the Bible says that they ran down the hill, all 300 of them, against 135. Listen, how big is your problem today? I mean, compared to what Gideon was going through, your problem was small today. Because Gideon had an impossible situation in just a moment. He was going to be a roasted skewer on the end of some Midianite stick. You see, it looked to be impossible what Gideon got full of faith. He didn't live a fearful life. He lived a fearless life. He said, God, I believe. If God goes before me, who can be against me? See, you got to get faith into your heart. You got to get faith into your life. Let, this is not just me preaching. This is the word of God I'm declaring. Jesus said it like this when he walked on planet Earth over and over and over. Over and over and over, Jesus would tell them, just believe. Just believe. He's on a boat. Jesus is asleep. Three times, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three Gospels record the story. Jesus is on a boat, and the Bible said he's sleeping in the stern. In other words, he's sleeping, and these are small little boats. These aren't like cruise luxury liners. These are small little boats that are on the Sea of Galilee, and there was a seismos, the the Greek word, and and a a great storm. There was a seismos, the same words that we get, uh, like a a, a seismic reaction. It came, and it hit, and then they were like afraid. They were screaming, Jesus, God, help us. And Jesus wakes up, and you know, he didn't say, oh, guys, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, Lord, that that problem came into your life. Uh, uh, I, you know, he didn't even say that. Jesus didn't even say sorry. You know what he said? You know what he said to him? How come you don't believe? I mean, my natural, because I'm a nice guy, and I'm a good pastor. Oh, I'm so sorry. Alan, you're going through that. Miranda, I'm so sorry. Jesus says, what are you, what's your problem? Why don't you believe? Don't you believe? I'm in the boat with you. What is your problem today? 
He's in the boat with you. Gideon took the torch. The torch is the, represents light. It's light. All these analogies in the Bible are so powerful. The psalmist declared, His word is a light unto my feet, or a lamp unto my feet, and a light unto my path. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He said, if you take that light and you set it upon a hill, the whole world will see. Take that light, 300. You see, when the Midianites saw 300 men running in the middle of the night, men in these days didn't fight at nighttime. They only fought during the day. They thought, man, surely there must be more people. 300 lights. They began to clang those water pots. They began to make a lot of noise. They began to blow the trumpet. And guess what? They didn't have to kill anybody. The Bible says the Midianites turned on each other, and they began to fight. They began to kill, not the Israelites, one another. You see, the enemy destroyed himself. See, the power of God is greater. Where is your answer found today? Where is your answer found? See, Gideon found his answer in the presence of God. Gideon, I'm with you. He's with you today. I don't know what you're going through. I know I'm going through stuff. My wife's going through stuff. The reason I'm preaching this series is because I need it. I need it because I feel the same emotions. I feel I'm looking at my world and I'm seeing impossible situations and I need God. And so what I've discovered is that when I have a problem, I'm going to turn to God. And my only solution I'm going to find is by guys who've done it of old, guys who've gone before me. Gideon wasn't perfect. You can read the end of his story. He made some mistakes. He wasn't perfect. But when you read the account, when you read the account of Gideon in the New Testament, the Bible says that he's a man of faith. The Bible says that Gideon was a man of faith. Today, God's just looking for someone to believe. Thanks for listening to this message, Part 1, Gideon, with lead pastor Eugene Smith. For service times and more information about City Church Orlando, please visit our website anytime at orlandocitychurch.com or call 407-321-9600.